Hey everybody, welcome to Hope for Our Times. And here we are, it is Sunday afternoon here, four o'clock in California, seven o'clock if you're on the East Coast of the United States. If you're in Australia, Israel, the UK, you got your own time frame that you are in right now. Uh, James, uh, this is exciting as you can see. Uh, my best friend James Cadiz is with us. We're going to have a blast tonight. We have so much to talk about. That's right, we do. Yeah, we did our podcast just the other day together. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And then we have this coming up tonight, and uh, it is live. And as a reminder for everybody out there, please send your questions to uh, my Facebook and also Hope for Our Times YouTube. Uh, anytime during this program, we're going to get to them uh, before we are done here. So this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. We're going to be talking about the fig tree. Uh, I want to know this, James. I'm going to ask you um, not just about the CDC report that came out yeah, and some of the deception that is happening yeah. because these facts are out there and we're, we're still not being told about them. Why? I'm going to ask you this. Why should a church be involved in political issues? And I'm also going to ask you this. If you can give me, I think you have a report, 10 steps for how to engage the culture. Don't need all 10, yep. but just a few of them. Because I'm getting asked all the time now, they're listening to things we do, whether it's yep. together or mm -hmm. with other people sure. or by ourselves. Sure. And people are saying, okay, how, what are the tools I need? How can I get involved? Right. Uh, because they want to. So we're going to give application to this. We have a lot to get going. We're going to be talking about um, uh, Israel a uh, few times uh, in this program. Uh, but let's get going with this because people think that this applies to Israel. So in Luke chapter 21, yep. we have the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, mm -hmm. Mark 13, Luke chapter 21. Yep. Uh, those are the signs that Jesus said uh, uh, when the disciples asked, what is the sign of your coming in the end of days? Jesus listed all sorts of them. But then at the end of Luke chapter 21, Jesus said this, then he spoke to them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees when they are already budding you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near so you also when you see these things happening know that the kingdom of god is near assuredly i say to you this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away yeah a lot of good stuff so there. yeah so let's start with this i want uh, two things first of all yep. What is the fig tree? Okay. And also, uh, another question I get hit up with is the generation, because people will look at this. Yeah. They send me emails all the time yep. and say they, they've, they've got a basic time frame based on the generation. I received a couple of them today. Yep. Yep. And so I want to talk about this. So what's the fig tree? Is the fig tree that's mentioned here in Luke chapter 21, is it the nation Israel? No. So that would be a grave error. You know, okay. you just you just messed yeah. up a whole lot of people right. that are watching right now. Right, I understand that. <laughs> um, it's a grave error. For those that say that the nation of Israel is represented by the fig tree, then I would ask you this question. What are all the other trees? Okay, so if the rule applies with the fig tree, then who are all the other trees if we're seeking to, you know, create some weird, strange metaphorical analysis with this? Mm -hmm. Jesus told us exactly what it was. This is the funny thing with a lot of guys that are in the Bible prophecy, and it's really unfortunate that it happens this way. We tend to sensationalize it when it doesn't need to be sensationalized because you can't make this stuff up. It's incredible, right? So we don't ever have to add to it or create any kind of sensationalistic, you know, approach to it. But here's the other thing. It doesn't need to be codified because it's being revealed to us. The Lord makes it clear to us all over the scriptures, I'm revealing these things to you. I'm telling you, I'm making it clear. Revelation, it's apocalypse. It means the revealing. And it was, oh, that's apocalyptic literature. I can't understand it. Wait, that's a contradiction yeah. in its own terms. Apocalyptic means it's being revealed. And so the terms here are quite simple. They're very straightforward. They're very in front of us. He says, look, look at the fig tree and all of the other trees. He says, when you begin to see the fruit coming from these fig trees, you know the summertime is near. Mm -hmm. And he says, likewise, when you see all of these signs that I've been telling you, one of the signs he's been talking about, of course, we talked about this, right? Many, we talked about this on many of our podcasts, even recently in the recent podcast, the lawlessness and all the other things that we're seeing happening, wars, rumors of wars, all the other things. He says, when you see these things, know that this generation isn't gonna be passed, the season is near. And then he goes on to say, 
that the generation, this generation will not pass. Well, what does he mean when he says that? He says the generation that sees these signs, right? A lot of people look at that and they'll say, oh, well, um, it's talking about Israel and the fig tree is Israel becoming a nation again, which where in the world do you get that? If Jesus meant to say that, he would clearly say it. And, and let me add this. People that come to that conclusion are not being scholarly with the with respect to the way they're looking at the scripture and they're not having integrity in the way that they're interpreting it and i know that that sounds like a harsh statement to make but you're sensationalizing it like a used car salesman when in reality and i'm not trying to be difficult or hard or anything like that people get mad at me it's the same thing with the we talked about this a 200 million man yeah. army that we've talked about whatever look the scriptures make it plain and clear jesus said it he said look these are the signs Earlier, he tells us, no one is going to know the day or the hour. He says, only the Father knows, not even I. That's what Jesus said. So you think about that. If no one is going to know the day or the hour, then it's very clear that the only thing Jesus would do to give us an understanding of what was happening is an indicator of when that time was around the corner. Not necessarily, hey, it's going to happen on this day. And there are lots of people that are giving us a final day of when Jesus is going to mm -hmm. uh, come based on their research of what a generation is. Well, here's the error. The error that they make in that is you don't even understand where the time clock starts because you're saying it's the nation of Israel being rebirthed when Jesus, believe it or not, this is crazy, right? This might sound crazy to some people. Jesus doesn't even give the birthing of the nation of Israel as a indicator for the end times. The assumption is that the nation has already been established, right? It's just like when he talks about what's going on with the temple, you know, that the, he, it, what he says is he is already assuming, the way he speaks, he's assuming that there's already sacrifice going on. There's already, the temple is already taking things that are going on in the temple. We see that when we talk about the time of the tribulation. So we know that the temple has to be around during that time. And prior to 1948, we knew that the nation of Israel had to be reestablished based on what we knew had to exist in order for these last days to take place. But to go and say, oh, well, the fig tree is Israel, you're just not being honest with the scripture. Okay. So let's put it into a little bit more context because I've used that before, right. uh, the uh, Israel being uh, the fig tree, right? And then uh, you know, I've I've adjusted on that right. concept, um, <laughs> and, and I do want to talk a little right. bit more about the generation in a minute because yep. of all the math that people do, right. they send them to me, they send them to you, they send these things to Don, and we answer them, and uh, people people just get really angry over I this. Know. I'll guarantee you, you lit up a whole bunch of people just in the last couple I of minutes. I probably did. But with that, still in the context. So when I look at this, the fig tree and all the trees in the context, what it appears to me is we do know, and I think this is why you can make the connection of Israel, not with the fig tree, but just in general, because we know from the Bible, Israel has to be a nation again. That's right. So, all, so we right. can have earthquakes, we can have famines, we can have pestilences, we right. can have all these things. But if Israel wasn't a nation again, if the Jews were not being gathered from That's the right. north, south, east, and west, then they wouldn't have a placeholder for the last days. You could not be more correct. I agree. But So because Israel is a nation again, therefore, that's why. So when you look at the fig tree blossoming and the, the, there's fruit, um, would you then say it is, it's really the convergence of all the things happening at the same time? Yeah. In that sense, that generation won't pass away that sees all these things happening at the same time. Yeah. So I, I, I'll just, I'll make it, I'm going to oversimplify this. I'm going to say this. Look, when you see the fig tree, Mm -hmm. and you see all other trees. Now there's a science to this, by the way, and you mm -hmm. can go back and you can research this. Fig trees oftentimes blossom early. Yeah, okay? actually, yes they do. So, In fact, twice a year. On, yeah, on, that's yeah, correct, yeah. that's correct, two times a year. So what happens is Jesus is saying when you see the fig tree blossom and then all other trees, he's saying you have two indicators here that are telling you that the time is near. So he's saying, look, it's really simple. You can look at, if he just simply said, when you see the fig tree, then you know the summer is near, he wouldn't be accurate, right? Because, well, the summer isn't near because sometimes the fig tree blossoms around spring, right? And sometimes around fall in some cases and some certain types of fig trees, but he's not saying that. What he's actually saying is he's saying, when you see the fig tree blossom with the other trees, so what would he be talking about? He's talking about the generally accepted season 
of summer. He says, you know it's the summer. So if I look, if I walk, think of it this way. If I walk into a garden of some sort and I see a fig tree and the fig tree has just blossomed in front of me, it's just a beautiful blossom. Oh wow, that's amazing. But then all the other trees are not blossoming. That alone might not be an indicator mm -hmm. for the summer, right? Mm -hmm. But when you see the other trees blossoming, then you know that this is an indicator mm -hmm. for the fact that it's the summer. So what Jesus is saying correctly as you're representing, Jesus is saying when you see the totality of everything that I've been talking about, then you know that the season yeah. is near. And he says, this in, in, indeed, this generation is not gonna mm -hmm. go away until we see that happen. So that's really what's going on. And um, we have to just call it what it is. It, the fig tree is the fig tree. All the other trees are all other trees. He's saying those are mechanisms that we see that give us an indicator for the season. Mm -hmm. And just like you use the trees to understand what the indicator for the season is, you can use these signs as an indicator for my coming. Okay. Amen. That, that was a great explanation there. Um, with the generation, uh, this is what happens. I get emails. You get the same, same types. There's actually math that people do yeah. based on where you have a few different passages in the Bible that says the length of a generation is 70 years and then you have, or four score, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, three score and 10 or however that is. But working out 70 years, or one works, I think 80 years, one is 120 years or right. something like that. So you have different lengths and people do their math based on the time Israel is a nation 1948, right. and then they've done their math based on the time when uh, Jerusalem was taken again. Right. And, and this has been happening for a long time. Now, now, check this out. So we have an Israel trip coming up, October of 2021, year away. Don Stewart's going, uh, Bob Probert, David Tao. Uh, in fact, Dave, I, I want to tell everybody this real quick. So David Tao, you know David Tao. Uh, David Tao is uh, a great friend of both James and myself. Yeah. And he has a YouTube channel. I want to let you know this. Uh, listen, uh, go to David Tao's YouTube channel. You can check it out. It's uh, going to be up on the screen in just a second. There it is. It's called The Balagon Connection. B is in boy, A-L-A-G-A-N, The Balagon Connection. Check out his latest YouTube from yesterday. That's a picture of it from yesterday. He's on the Sea of Galilee. James, I don't know if you had a time to watch that yet, but it's just fantastic. He is out there explaining so many things to help you connect the Bible to your life. So David Tao is going to be with us next October. And uh, again, check that out. It's going to be terrific. So we have this trip planned for next Israel. All of a sudden, people start hitting me up. We're going to be raptured before next October. And I know this is why. And they base it on the passage that I just read. And and, and look, we don't know the day or the hour. Yeah, I, I hear it's going to be on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. You, yeah. you hear these things too. Right. Uh, another one is Feast of Pentecost. All these different ideas that are out there. I understand why some of these people say those things, but the problem is it's codifying, or, or, or as you said, or use that word codify yes, earlier. Right. And right. you can get yourself locked into this. Listen, I don't know the day or the hour Jesus is coming. I plan for the future. I hope he comes before we're even done with this program. Right, right. But, right. Well, you know, we'll see. Well, look, I, and this is, this is one of the problems uh, that come up a lot, and we talk about this, right? People try to come up with mathematical equations, they try to come up with numbers, and there's some real error in all of this. Because again, you are not looking at the scripture under the auspice for which it was intended to be written. And so when it's written in a particular way, a particular representation is made, the concept of the generation has nothing to do with the amount of years represented by a single generation. If it did, then Jesus would just simply say, from the moment you see this sign, it will happen within 40 years. I mean, that's what he would do. I give, we should give Christ more credit for what he's saying here. What he's basically saying is he's saying the generation that witnesses this is not gonna pass. Now, he could be talking about multiple generations. Is he talking about the generation represented by the infants that are alive during that mm -hmm. time? Is he talking about the generation represented by the by the more mature generation, the 80-year-olds, the 90-year-olds? Is he talking about the generation that's mid-aged? You know, what generation is he referring to? He's not, he's saying the generation, but what generation is that? I think there's a reason why he wasn't specific. I think the purpose was the same purpose that he gave, that he set forth the same way he put into play what he said with respect to the fig tree and everything. He's basically saying, look, this is the generation when they see this, the people that witness this, 
look, <laughs> it's not going to pass. It's where this is this is going to happen within this generation. What generation? Mm -hmm. That's the question you have to ask because there are multiple generations that are represented. Guys, look, and, and I'm going to stare at the camera when I say this. You can see multiple generations represented during any era, right? We can see as many as, I want to say, eight, nine generations represented at a given time. And people say, well, that's kind of crazy. But no, that isn't crazy. We can see that. I mean, we see people. There are people alive right now that are 125 years old. So what generation would we be talking about, right? The generation of, of people that are 125 years old, well, my goodness, they were 60 years old. 75, you know, 60, 65 years old when Israel became a nation. So is it that generation? Is it that generation that's not going to pass? Well, what does that even mean? There's a lot of people that have died since that time. Mm -hmm. So what are we actually talking about? Are we talking about babies that haven't been born yet? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of those questions. It was specifically designed. Mm -hmm. This statement was specifically designed to tell us the coming of the Lord is sooner than you mm -hmm. think. It wasn't designed to tell us it's coming within 40 years of this time. It has to happen within 40 years of the mm -hmm. time. That's not the case. Now, there are very specific timelines that were given mm -hmm. in the Bible where you can count right down to the day. For example, when the peace treaty is strengthened by the Antichrist, we know we're in the middle of the tribulation. We're, we're at the beginning of the tribulation. Hey, let me ask you that. I'm yeah. going to stop here, yeah. right? So you just said a key word. When the peace treaty is strengthened by Antichrist... Mm -hmm. Yes. We're in the middle of the tribulation. Or so, start, the start of the tribulation. Start of, yes, start of the right, tribulation, correct. right. We're at the start of the tribulation. Strengthened by it. Okay. Very, that's a key word, strengthened. Yes. So what's happened is, um, and this wasn't part of what we were going to talk about, but we are now. Sure. <laughs> so uh, we have this UAE deal yep. uh, with Israel, and now we're starting to hear more and more talk about more and more Arab uh, communities are going to be entering into these yes, agreements, correct. which we talked about on our Friday podcast. Yep. I read today that the Pope is wanting to get in on some of this action. I, I don't know what the accuracy is yeah, of that. Who knows what that's really going to mean? We'll, we'll see. So, but you look at this, so people are saying, well, we have these peace treaties, therefore uh, Trump or Kushner is antichrist. However, you said a key word, strengthening. So that's from Daniel chapter nine. So, yeah. so, right. so define for our viewers what that actually means. Um, I mean, could Trump be antichrist? No, I, I think it's impossible. Um, I, I think me and you were kind of in different place here when I bring up Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. I think you're still reading up on it. And researching no, I, 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 I want to, I want to get to that. So, oh, okay. So let's go there too. Okay. So let's talk about yeah. this. Okay. Let's go back to the UAE deal. Okay. Yeah. We, we'll just talk about this. For those of you that don't know what's going on, it's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, this is of the United Arab Emirates, uh, Mohammed Sheikh or Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed. Uh, made a peace deal basically with the help of the United States with Benjamin Netanyahu. It's a pretty remarkable deal because there's really no loss for either party. Um, everybody says that the annexation of the West Bank in essence and, and part of the Golan Heights is something that uh, Netanyahu gave up. He didn't. It's very clear in the language that he was going to simply suspend the annexation and when the peace deal was announced that it was going to be signed, he said I'll never, ever, ever, ever give up those territories, which is very, very interesting and, and he made a promise on multiple occasions that he was going to defend the settlers and so on and so forth which is very very interesting but it's it, it to me it's unique in that the uae gotta understand the dynamics of this the uae would never be able to enter into this treaty if they did not get permission from their royal family in saudi arabia okay now why this is specific first of all it is not the peace treaty made by the Antichrist. First of all, the Antichrist strengthens a treaty. He doesn't necessarily make a treaty. That's number one. And that's a, Daniel 9, 27 makes that very, very clear to us. So we know that he's strengthening a treaty. He's not necessarily making a treaty. Now, we all know that the way he's going to strengthen this treaty is by bringing in concessions that no other world leader would ever be able to bring, potentially the building of the temple on the Temple Mount, uh, several other things. But the reason why the UAE is such a significant, this peace deal is such a significant thing, and we, you talked about this, with other nations uh, wanting to jump on. Uh, formally, we know that Qatar wants to jump on, which is unique to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Bahrain, uh, not really a surprise, but very unique because there are some prophetic implications mm -hmm. potentially with that in Ezekiel 38 and 39. But what's more incredible with all of this, and th this to me is just mind-boggling, you can't make this stuff up, the biblical 
prophetic significance of what we're looking at. I'm going to get to the Antichrist in just a second. The final Antichrist. I stole that phrase from Don. The, the significance of this is the fact that Ezekiel 38 and 39 says we're going to have a series of nations that are going to come against Israel, okay? We know who these nations are. Russia, um, and really the leader of this region of Russia is going to be the one who's going to lead all of this. It's going to be Russia. It's going to be Turkey. It's going to be Libya. It's going to be the Sudan. Uh, very light, and Iran. We can't forget about Iran. And they are going to very likely attack from some region near Syria or maybe slightly north of that, maybe Lebanon, who knows? Um, there's a lot of implications here with Hezbollah and some of the newest things that are going on over there. We don't really know exactly how that's going to happen, but we know they're going to be attacked from the north. We also know that Israel is going to be friendly with this leader. Mm -hmm. So Israel is going to be surprised by the fact that this leader comes and, and takes him, but they're, take, they're attacking Israel for Israel's loot, basically. Now, that could be oil, that could be a number of things. Probably the center of this is the energy independence that mm -hmm. Israel has recently uh, come yeah. to, just like the United States. OPEC is in, you know, just an mm -hmm. insane part. But the majority of this peace deal is really more about Iran than it is mm -hmm. the United States or the UAE. Now, mm -hmm. why is the why is the president not the Antichrist? Why is Jared Kushner not the Antichrist? Second Thessalonians chapter two tells us, it makes it very clear in chapter two, verse three, that we are not going to see this final Antichrist until Christians are raptured. Now, you'll look at that and you go, well, James, that's the great apostasy, okay? And, and a lot of people think about that. They say the falling away. Mm -hmm. And I make a very strong contention about this. Uh, that when we talk about falling away here, this, this phrase falling away, when you look at apostasia in the Greek, and you can take it from a guy that knows Greek pretty well. I taught it in the Bible college. I can tell you right now that it's a bad translation. It's a really bad translation. The way that it should probably be translated, not probably, most definitely should be translated is the departing. There should be a definite article there. It should be the departing, which would refer to, of course, the... A departure. The, yeah, the departure. Like Let me read it right. in context Correct. for everybody that, right. that's watching this, right? So this is what uh, Paul is writing, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him, we ask you. The gathering together to him, to me, is definitely applying to right. the rapture. That's right. Okay. That's the Not to be soon shaken in mind or in trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Then here's, here's what you're you before Yes, you, read you the can. Next. You bet. So he's saying, listen, I don't want you to be shaken in your mind based on what the false teachers are telling you, based on the assumptions people are making about the coming of the Lord, and based on people who pretend to be those writing letters to you when it really wasn't coming from our name. The predominant thought at that time was a rapture had already happened. Mm -hmm. They were very scared about yeah. that fact. They were very worried. So let's, it's, so yeah. he's basically so he's saying, saying, it hasn't happened yet. That. Right, correct. It hasn't happened yet. Let no one deceive you. He right. goes on in verse three and says, so don't be deceived. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the apostasy, or here, New King James, the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So uh, and, and then he sits in the temple, demands to be worshipped right. as God, Correct. and so forth. So right. this is what you're talking about. You're saying the falling away or apostasy here is actually the departure, departure the rapture of church. Well, then, in that context, it makes, it, it makes sense. The rapture must take place first. So this would read like this. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the rapture happens first. Right. Or the departure comes first. Right. And the Son of Man is revealed, the Son of Perdition. Also, this is a key when you read a few verses further into 2 Thessalonians. Right. It, it's it. very clear. Right. Uh, in fact, I can continue reading he from there. Himself. He does. And he actually says what you just said. Right. Right. In, in, in this English. So he's going to sit in the temple, which we know right. the temple's going to be built. Demand to be worshipped as God. Verse 4. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed, 
whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the, the restrainer's gone. Right, that's right. And, that's right. And then the lawless one is revealed. That's right. So when you read it, the problem is if, and this is what I see, because this is, you know, I've heard this before about the apostasy of being the rapture many years ago. Right. And then you and I start talking about this not too long that's ago. Right. That's right. But when you put it in the context of this apostasy actually being the departure, right. If you don't do it that way, you actually have two opposing views Completely. in the same passage. Completely. But if you understand the apostasy of that way as a departure, then it all flows and notice and makes sense. And notice this. He's saying, I want to clarify the issue for you. So why in the world would he clarify the issue by creating two opposing, antithetically opposed uh, yeah. conclusions? He's. It would be... Con con completely confusing. Now, I've been asked this question by guys who know Greek pretty well, and, and they say, well, James, well, then if that's the case, why wouldn't he use harpazo like he used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Well, it's really simple. If I go to you, Tom, and I say, Tom, your hair looks a little out of order, and you say, James, what do you mean by that? Which your hair doesn't look beautiful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that, James? What do you mean? And I say, Tom, your hair looks out of order. And you say, James, what do you mean by that? Tom, your hair looks out of order. By the time we go back and forth two or three more times, you're, you're going to punch me in the face because I haven't clarified on anything. I've used the same set of words. I haven't elaborated on anything. I haven't drawn a new picture. And so there... There would be no reason for him to use the phrase harpazo. There would be no reason to use any similar Greek uh, or grammatical infrastructures to explain something or to reiterate something or shed light on something that he's already previously shared. He would use a completely different word. And by the way, it's very interesting. Up until, I want to say up until about the early 1500s, it was always translated as departing and not translated as uh, the falling away. So it's just kind of an interesting thing. There's some interesting implications of that. Uh, there may have been some pressure from the Catholic Church and some other things, why that was done, why it, what, you know, why it was yeah. done that way. But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is what we're looking at with this UAE peace deal is not the revealing of the Antichrist. This is not the, the treaty of the Antichrist. Now, in all fairness, it could be part of a path down the road for the treaty of the Antichrist. Um, it's very likely, now keep this in mind, the UAE peace deal as it sits right now, we're looking at a lot of other nations that want to come into it. What's to say that Egypt won't seek to consolidate mm -hmm. within that peace treaty? What's to say they won't want to strengthen their position? What's to say Jordan wouldn't want to strengthen mm -hmm. their position, especially if they're all coming against Iran? Remember, these are all Sunni Muslims. Mm -hmm. So we're coming, They would that would be them basically making a, a, a just an insane statement against Iran saying, we're not supporting you and we're going we're gonna to drown you out, which would make a lot of sense because once all of these nations start standing together, especially these mm -hmm. OPEC nations, think about this for yeah. a minute. They don't have any energy anymore. Who's yeah. Iran going to attack? Well, they're going to attack with Russia. They're going to attack Israel because yeah. Israel will be at the center of it. Israel's going to, you can see this oh, yeah. power going to oh, Israel, yeah. the oh, strength yeah. going to Israel. Oh, yeah. and, and I also look at this as a very real possibility. <clears throat> I'm not saying it will happen. But when we see in Ezekiel 38, <clears throat> excuse me, Israel is attacked by Russia, Iran, Turkey, Sudan, uh, Libya, uh, uh, etc. Right. Right. There are some other nations and, not and, named. Yeah. Right. Um, they're attacked at a time when Israel is dwelling in peace and safety. I think there's a very real possibility that Israel will be entering into some type of an agreement with Putin. Uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, giving them, uh, guaranteeing them the security, which would make Israel feel yep. very secure. Why would you be coming from the north? Right. We're on good terms, just like all of these right. Sunni Muslim right. countries. Right. What is going on? It, I'm not, I can't predict the future, right. but boy, it sure makes sense when you look at Ezekiel 38. Right. And we are watching all of these peace plans. That I believe we're going to start seeing them play out. It also shows us how close we are to to these all of these uh, you call them indicators earlier right. these things are all happening at unbelievable speed converging at the same time and this convergence the the all the trees is not just the signs from the Olivet discourse right there are hundreds of signs throughout the Old Testament and New Testament That's regarding correct. the second coming of Christ you look at this and you go man they're all over here's another one you ready yeah okay this is uh, Days of Noah and Days of Lot. Okay. In context, Jesus says this, uh, uh, Luke chapter 17, for the, as lightning flashes out of the east, 
uh, that's not what it says, as lightning flashes out of one part of uh, under heaven, shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That's regarding his first coming. Correct. But then he's talking about second coming. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Law, Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop uh, and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life uh, will preserve it. And then he goes on and, and he talks about uh, being watchful sure. uh, elsewhere. Sure. Uh, pray that you may be able to escape. Sure. So you look at these different things and you're thinking, okay, there, I mean, this loaded passage, days of Noah and days right. of Lot. It right. looks like everything is going good yep. when this all starts to unfold. That's right. That's right. And... Um, Society comes to a unified position. Um, one of the things that was really unique, we'll focus on the days of Lot for, for just a second because there's been a lot of analysis on the days of Noah. They're all both very similar, mm -hmm. by the way. They all have similar yeah. characteristics. Um, although when we talk about the days of Noah, we're talking about a generalized condition of all of the earth. When we talk about the days of Lot, we're talking about a very specific locale as it relates to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, if you go back to Genesis chapter 19, Genesis chapter 19 draws a very unique picture about what was going on in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have to start with the progression that Lot took in going into Sodom, okay? It first started out where Lot, of course, who was very much like an adopted son to his uncle mm -hmm. Abraham. Abraham's brother died um, at a very early age um, in Lot's life. And so there was a closeness that was there. And as you know, uh, Abraham did a lot of bailing out for Lot, okay? There was a lot of that going on. Eventually got to the point where their positions were somewhat irreconcilable with respect to their help, right? The people that were helping them. They were not getting along. And so Abraham tells Lot, and he's the senior statesman here. He says, look, Lot, you pick what you want. You can go look over here towards the plain. You can go over here. You can look over this way. And Lot did the wrong thing. He took the easiest thing mm -hmm. he could, and he went towards the region of Sodom. Yeah. Now, the Bible tells us at that point that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Mm -hmm. Now, understand the progression here. And we see this coming into fruition in Genesis chapter 19. I'm building this because it's important to come to the conclusion we're going to come to about mm -hmm. the days of Lot. He now pitches his tent towards Sodom. As he pitches his tent towards Sodom, you have to understand that that inspired him, that brought him to this place of longing after the city of Sodom. He went from pitching mm -hmm. his tent towards Sodom. Every day he walked out of his house, he saw that. Mm -hmm. He went from pitching his tent towards Sodom to now dwelling in Sodom. When he dwelt in Sodom, okay, it's not like this was a man who sought to influence the culture. He was a righteous man, but he allowed the culture to influence him. Now, that's a whole other issue because don't get me started on the blood that's on a lot of pastors' hands for not taking a stand in, in the political arena and on this whole coronavirus thing, having the church services outdoors and all that. But let me, let me say this. Yeah. He pitches his tent towards Sodom, and then he goes to dwell in Sodom, and he allows the culture to influence him instead of him influencing the culture. He then goes to progression in Genesis chapter 19, verse one, I believe it's in verse one, He the progression is now he's at the gate of Sodom, mm -hmm. which means he is in this place where he is generally accepted, he's generally reputable mm -hmm. by the people. They don't respect him one ounce. We're gonna find that out a little bit later, mm -hmm. but they don't respect him one ounce. So, um, but he is inundated with this. Now, contrary to popular belief, when everybody says, Jesus says the last days will be as a days of Lot, I don't think it has much to do with the sinful condition of mm -hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't get me wrong. No, yeah. we, we, I think Noah is more about the sinful condition of, of the world at the time, but it's not about the sinful condition. The, the Lot reference isn't, isn't about the sinful condition of Lot's world at that time. I think what it was more about 
were the errors that Lot made in the leading of his family in a desire to want to be assimilated to the culture. Case in point, these two angels come to the gate. He somehow discerns that they're angels. He seeks to bring them into his house after a little bit of convincing. He says, listen, Seattle, I mean, Sodom is uh, is a very dangerous place. I don't want you to be out here. Come into my house. He comes into the house. Uh, see, I had to do the Seattle thing. Um, I, I, but but he comes like, into the house and, and he brings these two angels in with him. And I want you to notice some subtleties. There's some things about that that you might not notice. But one of the subtleties, and most people wouldn't unless they're from a Middle Eastern background like me, is that Lot's wife meets this situation with particular aggression, because what she does is she basically the bible doesn't say this but it's obvious that that's what happened she says you bought them into the house you can cook for them because the bible tells us lot cooked for them and then these men come banging on the walls and so on and so forth we want to have sex with those two angels don't ever listen to anybody teaching the false heresy that the sin of Sodom was a lack of hospitality. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely egregious. Mm -hmm. The sin of Sodom was the rampantness that existed of the desire to fulfill the lust of the flesh over anything else. It really related to the sodomy that was going on, the homosexual behavior. All of those were all symptoms of the really core issue of the matter with the heart. So Lot makes some huge errors. The first error, he offers his two virgin daughters. Hey, take them. He has no value for his daughters. He just says, simply take them in the name of hospitality, right? That's a huge error, a major error. The angels keep that from happening. Then the angels simply say this. The angels say, look, do you have any family that lives in the, in, in the area? Go talk to your family. Tell your family that they got to leave. So the only people he chooses to speak to, this is another subtlety, is he speaks to the in-laws. He goes to his son-in-laws, nobody else, and he says, hey, guys, come on, this place is going to be judged. And the Bible says that the in-laws mocked him. Chances are they perished. Mm -hmm. they, they probably didn't move. They, oh, that's uncle, and that's, mm -hmm. that's dad, he's crazy. Don't listen to him. And they probably all perished. Finally, the angels say, we got to go. So the Bible says, this is the exact words, that Lot lingered. Okay? Then the angels had to grab him, pull him out of town, and then he says, I don't want to go into the mountains. I want to go in this small city. They named the city Zoar, which means small. They said, okay, you can go in the small city, but listen, Lot, I want you to understand something. We're on a mission to destroy this place, but we can't destroy it until you're out of the city. That's a good indication mm -hmm. for us that we are going to be raptured before mm -hmm. the tribulation. That's a side point, okay? There's a great type in that, but we'll just leave that alone. Lot not only lingered, but he had to be pulled away by these guys. Now, there's a lot that we learn from this, okay? Because when the story is over, then we find out that Lot settles in the mountains out of fear, in a cave in the mountain area, mm -hmm. and his daughters both get him drunk. His only two daughters that he has, it's probably just the three of them. His wife turned and looked at the back, and mm -hmm. she became a pillar of salt. So there was, the, the home was in disarray, and Lot with his two daughters, basically, the two daughters said, we're gonna go get dad drunk. And on the first night, they get dad drunk. The oldest daughter sleeps with dad, gets pregnant. The second night, they get dad drunk. The youngest daughter sleeps with him, and they both get pregnant. Lot had no idea. He was so inebriated that he had no idea. And then this is where we get the Ammonites and the Moabites. This is where, mm -hmm. where those people come from. However, this is the thing that's so unique about the days of Lot. And this is scary. We should really be concerned about this. This is something that should really scare us. The days of Lot were characterized by a man who was righteous. Listen to this, Tom. He was a righteous man, but yet he was so assimilated into the culture that his attachments not only caused him to lose sight of what was important, mm -hmm. but his attachments caused him to lose his family. It speaks of a mindset. It speaks of a mindset of a group of people who in many cases are righteous and are godly, but are so concerned about being relevant to the culture that the culture now changes them and they are no longer concerned about changing the culture. Mm -hmm. In the midst of perhaps one of the most wicked cultures in world history. Sound familiar? Yes. I want to tell you something. That was one of the best explanations. In fact, I think that was the best explanation that I've ever heard regarding wow. the days of Lot. <laughs> no, it was fantastic because people do focus in 
on the homosexuality, right. leave it at that and right. say we've got all these LGBT laws and all that. Right. But what you said, I think, is much more of an indicator. Right. It's so, a bigger deal. And, and then, uh, this is what you've done. You've messed up so many people tonight already. This is awesome. So, <laughs> so last time we talked about the 200 million army, man, yeah, that, that right. messed up people. Right. Yeah. I'm still getting angry mail about that. Are you really? That's <laughs> great, though. But I mean, you stand on the truth. Yeah, it's okay true. if people yeah, get mad at right. you. That's you stand right. on the truth. So tonight we've dealt with the fig tree. We've dealt with the generation. Yeah. The, the, both of those messed up a lot of people's thinking. <laughs> right, the apostasia right. Right. Yeah, that's a really one. messed that's up a, a whole lot. Yeah. You're, you're just on a roll tonight. I am. But your explanation here with, with the days of Lot, I really like it. So we look at, at uh, some churches are open. Most are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at least not open as in the sense they've come on into church. Right. Don't have to worry Correct. about all these, these things. Uh, we look at the CDC report. You did a... a, a Message on this just the other day. Yeah. One of your one of your updates for the week. Yeah. Uh, what did the CDC just say? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you look. Um, I don't. I, I I'm looking politically and also from the pastoral perspective. Yeah. This is the what you explain with Lot is exactly where we see the That's leader, right. the culture of Christian leadership. They are Lot has has gone. That's right. That's exactly what they are guilty of. They're so concerned about being accepted by the general culture that they're willing to sacrifice the condition of their flock. Case in point, we have people that support the Black Lives Matter movement. There are pastors that support it. Now, there are other pastors who will say, I don't support the movement, but I support the phrase. Well, if you support the phrase, then why is it this is the first time you've ever spoken about that, but you've never spoken about the 1,500 black babies that are being aborted every single day? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we speaking about the biggest problem in the black community, which is fatherlessness? Here's the reason why. Because I want to be relevant, and I don't want to rock any boats. Mm -hmm. And in your attempt to be relevant and uh, not rock any boats, you have become completely irrelevant for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You have become lot. You have become somebody who is so assimilated by the culture that you're not willing to go out and speak the truth. It's not popular to say, hey, listen, guys, you are absolutely misinformed when you say that this nation was started in 1619 by slavery. That's a, it's an absolute lie. The Constitution was a referendum. It was a literal 25-year referendum that when it was written, it was understood. The South knew this. The understanding was slavery ends in 25 years. Now you say, well, our founding fathers had slaves. You're right. There's hypocrisy there. Make no mistake about it. But let me just tell you something. Do you know how many slaves right now around the world are shipped and sold around the world? The number is close to almost 13 million. Okay, most of those slaves are being bought and sold by the original purveyors that were buying and selling slaves back then, not the Americans. Folks, if you're watching me, listen, it's not the Americans. It was the Barbary Coast. It was the Muslim Arabs. It was those people. It was not them. And and still to this day, that continues to be the case. It was Christianity that brought an end to slavery. It was Christianity that brought an end to slavery in the United States, and for the most part in the United Kingdom. It was the existence of the Bible being uh, used to educate men and women and allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to transform their lives and their hearts to do a referendum on those things. Now, is it is it uh, fair to say that we've made a lot of mistakes and there are some serious problems? Uh, absolutely. I mean, make no mistake about it, you know? But here's the problem. The problem is, is if you're not willing to tell the truth about those things, and you're a pastor and you're not willing to tell those truth, then who's going to tell the mm-hmm. truth? Is yeah. CNN going to tell the truth? Mm-hmm. Are any of the other fake news channels going to tell the truth? They're not going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And this is why, as pastors, we have an obligation to stand up for political issues. This is the reason why we have an obligation to stand up for all of these things. I- I've seen this. Listen, I've watched these posts that many of these pastors are putting up. They're spending time mocking guys like me mm-hmm. and you who are standing up for these political issues and using funny images to do it and making all kinds of dissenting mm-hmm. statements. But what's truly unfortunate is they don't realize the same thing Lot didn't realize mm-hmm. back then. See, they don't realize one thing, okay? There's a couple things they don't realize. First of all, they don't realize that they've already been assimilated by the culture mm-hmm. and they've lost their salt. The other thing that, they've reali- that they don't realize is that those folks 
back in Lot's day, never respected him in the first place. We know that because when he tried to reason with the Sodomites that wanted to take over the angels, they're like, who is this guy? He came to our gate. He tried to act like a judge. Is he going to try to judge us now? They never respected him. And guess what? Pastor that stands up for all of these things and makes fun of guys who are looking at the political arena and so on and so forth. The people don't respect you. (laughs) The culture that you're trying to reach out to doesn't respect you and never will respect you. The problem is, is that the Spirit of God doesn't respect what you're doing either because what you're choosing to do is to assimilate in the culture in an attempt to become relevant. And here we are, the days of Lot. The fear of man is a snare. That's right. Is what the Bible teaches. That's absolutely right. And you look at, you know, you, you go back through the book of Acts, you have the apostles. Uh, is it better that we obey man or God? We're going to obey God. That's right. And it's, it's making those stamps. The apostles were under great persecution. That's right. And we read the, the letters that are written in the modern church. What well, was the modern church nine months ago? It's changing. And you look and you go, these guys wrote this in a time of great persecution, giving great hope, but they were always standing for Christ, and they continued to meet. Even today, you you know, James, you know well, whether your uh, believers are in Africa or in Iran or they're in China, they, under the threat of death and arrest, real death, real arrest, they still meet. They will meet. It's a body of believers, not the biological family, the spiritual family, because they know this is what God wants them to do. God wants us to gather together and worship, but also we need to stand up for righteousness. So how do you stand up for righteousness when you won't get involved? And and especially, James, on this report you did, what did the CDC just say? Uh, Some of the facts came out about the the coronavirus isn't actually affecting as many people as we were originally told, which we kind of were reading things along those lines. Anyways, in fact, you could go on the CDC website three months ago, you could have gone in there and you would have read these facts. But the problem is we were getting mainstream media and still are. They're still telling us these other things that are happening. They're still telling us these riots where they are burned down cities, these are peaceful protests. Right, that's right. Uh, you know, you, you look at this, we are being lied to, where the first sign uh, uh, when Jesus was asked was the sign of your coming at the end of the age. Uh, be careful that no one deceives you. Deception is the number one that's sign. Right. Romans that's right. chapter one, suppress the truth in lies. James, we, we have a lot more things on here, but I've got to ask you this, because apparently you did strike a nerve with some people. So, um, so let's ask, can I go to a question? Sure. We've already been f- over 45 minutes already. Yeah, I can't believe it. I didn't know that. I thought we'd only been talking about 10 minutes. Yeah. So this was great. <laughs> oh, this is just fantastic. And a reminder, uh, David Tao, uh, uh, our friend, I got a note on here. Um, the Balagon Connection, if you think of it, go to it. You will absolutely love it. Uh, B-A-L-A-G-A-N. Uh, just fantastic. And by the way, look behind me. See that? That is Petra. You ever been yes, to Petra? Oh, yeah. I, I haven't been there yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, I've been to experience. Israel like a million times. Yeah. I've never been to Petra because of time constraints. The poor horse that I got on. <laughs> because, because I was 300 pounds heavier than I am now. That poor horse. Oh, that poor horse. Yeah. They didn't know uh, I could speak Arabic because when I speak oh, that's English, great. I sound like I don't have a single accent. So when I speak Arabic, I don't sound like I have a, an, an English accent at all. So the whole time these guys were talking about how they're going to buck the horse and I'm killing the horse and I better they better give me a good tip and oh that was such a crazy experience. Oh that's funny. And I remember at the very end of the whole trip just completely rebuking them in Arabic and it was a funny moment. Well, I was, bet it was. My whole group just saw me go, wah! That's pretty funny. <laughs> I bet yeah. it was. You did that in an elevator one time where you were put you were, you were stuck in an elevator with some uh, gentleman that only that spoke Arabic in front of you. <laughs> that, that was a that funny was another funny one too. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've had a few elevator experiences. <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. For those of you do who don't know, James is full blooded Egyptian. Yeah. And, my mom uh, and my dad were both born and raised in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, and you got you got some interesting stories. We'll yeah. save those for another time. Yeah. All right. This question came in from Patricia. Yep. The fig tree is a symbol of Israel. So she says, all right? So I'm just saying, that's what she said. Okay. I know what you said. Right. Okay. Couldn't all the other trees be the other end time signs combined with the sign of Israel converging all at the same time being the sign of Christ's return? So we talked about that in yeah. depth. Maybe she missed it. Yeah. Uh, we it's say a great that question. Tree is, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a great question. We hear it a lot. Yeah, it's a great question. So the answer to this, dear, would be no. The answer to this is that we know it's not the case because Jesus made that very clear. 
He said, the fig tree is the fig tree. All the other trees are all the other trees. He says, when you see the fig tree blossom and all the other trees, you know that the summer is near. And then he says, and he's not uh, making any direct metaphorical expression because if he did, he would never use the word likewise. So the key is likewise. So in other words, what he's saying is I'm giving you a tangible example. Likewise, when you see these signs, you'll know the season is near. Which by the way, everybody who heard the example of the fig tree back then and everybody who heard the example of all the other trees would know exactly what Jesus was talking about. Because if he had just said fig tree alone, they would have said, that's confusing. The figs blossom, they bloom all the time. They come out all the time. Jesus said, and all the other trees, which is only one season when that happens, it's the summertime. And he made it very clear. In case there was any ambiguity, he said, you will know that the summer is near. He didn't say you'll know that that's the nation of Israel and these are all other, uh, these are conglomeration of other things. And uh, it's an example otherwise he would have said likewise the fig tree is Israel and all these other uh, trees are other nations he said likewise as you see this example likewise just as you know the trees blooming are an indicator of the season then the, the things that I just told you are an indicator just like the trees blooming they're an indicator of the season that's about to come yeah. the summer is equal to the coming of Christ right the trees are equal to the signs yeah so she had uh, part of it she she was in total agreement. The other part, a little bit confused, maybe didn't hear right. the beginning. And Patricia, I want to say this. You can go back to the beginning where James and I were talking about it for even more clarification on it's it. It's a great question. Uh, it is a great question. And I know we are going to have a lot of things that are going to be coming in this week over that, too. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Pastor, I just finished watching The Days of Noah on Amazon. Yeah, oh. I've I, I just finished. I, I don't. I haven't seen it, so maybe I'll I watch it either, tonight. But I've heard a lot okay. of bad. Okay. Yeah. I've I just finished part three of four, and I'm paralyzed from fear by what I watched. About how, because of the Catholic Church, we have already broken God's law by breaking the Sabbath and worshiping on Sunday. I'm afraid that what if God's already taken His Spirit from me? Are we blindly breaking His law by worshiping on Sunday? I'm scared that if I don't feel the Holy Spirit, that God has taken the Spirit from me. Okay, well, first of all, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that God's taken his Holy Spirit from you. It probably means that you're deeper into the battle than you've ever been before, and our feelings don't ever tell us the uh, the truth, okay? That's number one. Number two, um, with respect to the heresy that says that the church has abandoned their responsibility by not meeting on the Sabbath, let's explain the, the condition of the Sabbath, okay? The Shabbat was what we call a symbol of the old covenant okay Christ makes or the Lord makes an old covenant that is with the Jews it was with nobody else it was with the Jews no it was not with the Gentiles it was his ancestrally chosen people the Jews the Shabbat is a symbol of that old covenant Okay, the new covenant has a different symbol. If it would be the same symbol, Christ would have told us. He didn't tell us that. What Christ said is this is a symbol of the new covenant. Eat and drink in my name in remembrance of me. That's what he says. So communion is the symbol of our new covenant. And we'll just go as far as to say this. The early church, from the day we saw Christ resurrected, honored Christ by meeting on Sunday mm -hmm. because it was the day that he resurrected from mm -hmm. the dead. So the, the Shabbat was not honored by the Gentiles. Yes, there were many Jews who were saved, uh, Messianic believers that still honor the Shabbat, but they also worshiped on Sunday. And so the Shabbat was designed to be a day of rest and not a day for worship. Mm -hmm. I also want to make another statement, and I think this is important. We, we, we really got to talk about this. There's a lot of heresy being taught right now, and it's a serious issue. And I really want to bring this up based on this question. Okay. There's a heresy going around that says that if you accept Christ in your life, you have to accompany it by certain other works in order to be saved, mm -hmm. right? And I've heard all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to go to church or you won't be saved. Uh, you've got to give to the church or you won't be saved. Um, you have to be able to refrain from any kind of cursing or you won't be saved. There's even a teaching going on right now, and it's uh, it's been taught. It's there's a lot, it's created a lot of confusion that says, "Hey, listen, if um, if you hate the Jews, you cannot be a born again believer." And the statement basically was, "Hey, 
in order to be, to go to heaven, you have to actually love the Jews. Well, let me just explain something to you. There's a lot of believers that are out there who love the Lord and are filled with the Spirit that might have some anti-Semitic bents in them, but that is because of their lack of education. Just like I have a homosexual couple come into the church, they get saved, and they don't repent from their homosexuality until they've been taught the Bible for a little bit of time. Then they they, they break up of, uh, of, their, of their acts. Mm -hmm. Well, were they going to go to hell during that time? No. They received Christ in their life, and God was ripping those evils away from them. I, I've said this many, many times. You, I was raised to love the Jews, but that was because my grandmother, which is my, my dad's mom, um, who was the wife of my grandfather, who was a Presbyterian minister in Egypt for 65 years. During the 67 war, my grandmother would not allow my dad or any of his siblings to listen to Egyptian radio because she said it was fake news and they were lying. And she made them listen to Israeli radio and shared why in the Bible it was so important to love the Jewish people. That's where I get yeah. it from. Yeah. But there's lots of people right. who are not born with that understanding. They don't know any better. There are even some well-meaning Christians that say, well, you know what? Hey, look, Jesus was, uh, um, uh, he, the Jews crucified Jesus. So I don't like the Jews anymore. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The Bible makes it clear. We're to love the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, it promises to bless us mm -hmm. when we bless the Jewish yeah. people. But there's a lot of people that are ignorant of that. Right. And there are some people that might very well die without ever knowing that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go to heaven. Right. So let's say uh, a, a person, they're, they're born again, they're saved, they've repented, Christ has forgiven them. Right. But they're in a church, and I, and I think the numbers are something like 90% of churches teach replacement theology. That's right, which is wicked. I'm just going to yeah. say that right now. It's a wicked, wicked, evil yeah. theology. It There's is. There's nothing right about it. It teaches that the church has right. replaced Israel, and uh, none of the promises for Israel are going to be fulfilled. The Lord isn't going to be returning for the Jews in right. that sense. And, and on if, you, if you work it out, it's really bad. Right. Okay. It, it leads to BDS, the boycott, divest, and sanction against Israel. Oh. At least all of those things. But the problem is the person gets saved, and that's the church they're going to. And the, you're not able to discern these things. It can take right. a long time. Right. Listen, James, when, when I got saved at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, 30-some years ago, mm -hmm. um, and I was going there, the first two years I went there, my head was messed up from the lifestyle I had right. before I got saved. That's right. Um, to this day, uh, my head's messed up, but that's something entirely <laughs> different. But, but, but you're wor we are working out the application of theology the rest of our lives. Right. It's the process of sanctification. That's right. So when I got saved, I, I was under Chuck Smith. So I immediately started developing this hunger and thirst and understanding of the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. For me, that was really simple. But somebody else doesn't have that type of church, right. and they might have some of you teachers really good apart from that. And so it's you know it's a pretty blanket statement to make that right. can be that can be very dangerous. Right. Um, and, and so you look at that and you think, well, it's, it's, it's Jesus. We are saved through Christ alone. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing. There's a lot of bad Bible teaching out there. And does it mean that people are going to go to hell? No, it, it doesn't mean that. Uh, people, there are lots of very good meaning people that receive the Lord that um, uh, believe something under a completely false impression. They were handed it down. They were taught something differently. But they're believers. I, I talk to people all the time that say, James, you're crazy. We're not going to be raptured before the tribulation. And you know what I always tell them? I tell them the same thing. I say, you know what? Here's the thing that's going to be pretty awesome. I'll tell you this right now. You're going to find out I was right when we all get raptured. Right? right? And, and they're like, well, won't I get left behind because I didn't believe? No, you're a Christian. You're going to get yeah. raptured. Yeah. You're going to get raptured. You're just going to feel pretty embarrassed. Yeah, your salvation is yeah. not it's not right. based upon your thoughts of what the rapture That's right. is. That's right. If you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you proclaim him with your mouth, you shall be saved. Yeah. It isn't your works. It isn't anything right. you've done. It's his work. John 3.16 doesn't say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If they believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Right. For everybody else, it doesn't, right. doesn't right. say that. Or if so. they, you know, love Israel or whatever it yeah. might be. Right. And, that's, and it's, it's a sad thing. So the answer to you, dear, is don't fear. You're not doing anything wrong. Your salvation is not predicated upon your actions. Your salvation is predicated upon Christ's actions. And always remember that. Don't ever, don't ever yeah. lose sight of that. Okay. This comes in from, uh, where to go? I just had it here. It's from Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I am from Melbourne, Australia, and always tune in and listen to uh, your amazing work in the ministry. God bless you and your team. And Pastor James, I'm so looking forward to meeting my Lord and Savior. I have a question. Uh, who are the 24 elders? Oh, that's an interesting question. It is, and this is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, it mentioned in Revelation. Uh, then, uh, and then it went on to comment on generation. So I'm not going to go back into that again. We talked yeah. about generation and victory. So what's your thought on that? What, what do you think? Uh, it, it is very difficult. I get that question a lot, yeah. and I never have a definitive answer. Yeah. So is it the 12 tribes, is, is it, excuse me, is it um, 24 uh, um, uh, believers in Christ, of the church age? Right. Or is it 12 of uh, the 12, the, uh, 12 sons of Jacob yeah. and 12 apostles? Yeah. Um, I don't know who they are, quite right. frankly. In right. fact, the last time I taught through Revelation, by the way, I just started Revelation again awesome. this morning. I'm excited yeah, about it. And when I get to the 24 elders, listen, I, I'm going to take the same approach unless you have a definitive answer for me that I am not 100% certain who the 24 elders are. Some say this, some say that. Yeah. I do not know, but what I do know is this is about Jesus. I think perhaps what we're talking about here with the 24 elders is a group of people that are represented from the church age and a group of people that are represented from the age prior to that, right? Where we talk about the Old Testament saints. Um, I think it's probably split down the middle. I think it's uh, potentially uh, 12 different people from a, a group of Gentiles and 12 pe different people from a group of Jews who received Christ or looked to Christ as their, you know, as their Messiah, um, who potentially the Lord used in a very special mm -hmm. way to make an impact for the kingdom. Uh, probably nobody that we think they'll be. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think all oh, the disciples or maybe the, the mm -hmm. 12 tribes. Um, perhaps there'll be people that'll be the most insignificant, the type of people that we read about that we thought were insignificant, that were perhaps the most significant, like those that were mentioned in the Hall of Faith and so on and so forth. Um, but it's really hard because then you have the foundation of the New Jerusalem. And you remember that the description of the mm -hmm. foundation of the yes, New I Jerusalem do. and that, that can be kind of interesting because it's, we yeah. know what that foundation is made of there. And that, that kind of can change things a little bit. So. Um, it's, it's probably that, but I, I can't be dogmatic yeah. about it because I just don't know because the Bible's silent yeah. about it. So I think we kind of have to be silent. We can come up with there's certain ideas, but the Bible's pretty silent yeah. about it. Yeah, and, and that's the approach I would take personally yeah. because I, I can't, I, I'm not definitive on it, and our salvation yeah. is not based upon <laughs> it. Agree. So it's it's not a, a, a question that pertains to doctrine. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry too much about it. That's right. Okay, uh, you got censored. Uh, this past week yes. again. Yes. Uh, so let me ask you this. When you look at that, my understanding, I look back at history. Listen, when you don't look at history, yeah. you're, you're going to fall back into the same traps. Hence, we have statues coming yeah. down and all this history right. being rewritten. Right. This country is going to, uh, if the Lord doesn't return for us soon or call us home soon, this country, something is going to develop. Some kind of monster is going to develop is the way it's looking because something will come out of this. So if we remove all the history, then what's going to come out of, out of everything that's happening? So in past history, when a, a, a dictator needed to be in charge, um, you had uh, the propaganda needed to be controlled. Yeah. And you had, uh, so when we see it happening, uh, the like Hitler, Joseph Goebbels controlled the propaganda for Hitler so it would all go with one narrative. Right. We, so you got censored this past week. I've been censored. Yeah. We are hearing about it more and more. Right. Dennis Prager gets censored all, all the, the time. time. Um, and there is censorship that really is happening to people who speak yeah. biblical or from a conservative side. Yeah, my The specific video that got censored this week is very interesting because, I kid you not, I'm not kidding. I quoted the direct words of the senator that wrote SB 145. I did not quote any opinion. I quoted his exact words. And yet, they said, oh, independent auditors have said this. Well, actually, what actually happened was there were very, very angry people in the gay and lesbian community that sent some egregious and ugly words and so on and so forth. And they probably reported it to Facebook and Instagram and basically said this. And then Facebook and Instagram uh, censored it and said, if you don't take it down on your own, then we might actually suspend your account. That's actually what they said. Now, here's my thing. And there's a lot of people that are saying, well, go to Parler. Nothing wrong with going to Parler. I don't have a problem with that. But I've made a decision to stay engaged in the battle. 
Let them do that evil. If they want to completely remove my channel, if they want to remove my Facebook, my Instagram, all that, fine. But I'm going to stay engaged in that war. I'm, because what's the point? Everybody that's on parlor right now, these are all people that love the Lord. And it's good. We've got to educate our Christians so that they can speak out in the public forum and so on and so forth, which is why I'll probably join it sometime soon. But it, more importantly than that, we need to speak out in the forum mm -hmm. that hate us. Because that's the forum that really matters, yeah. right? I, I would agree too. Um, that's why you're doing the same you're, thing. Yeah, if yeah. you're just preaching to the choir, right. you know, a lot of people that are listening to me, they already agree with me. Right, that's right. Not everybody, but a lot of them do. So we want to branch out of that. That's right. Which is hence why you need to be involved. Mm -hmm. Listen, we're actually out of time. <laughs> so it's been it's been yeah. over an hour. But uh, but uh, before we go, I want to remind everybody of this to subscribe to James' channel, subscribe to my this channel, yeah. subscribe to uh, James' his Instagram, uh, go there, also his Facebook, yeah. his YouTube channel, all of those things. Um, I'm already on Parlor. You can find me, Real Tom Hughes, on Parlor, uh, but also this YouTube channel, uh, my Facebook that many of you are on tonight, and then also uh, on Instagram. Uh, James, I want to say this: you have a, uh, you do your updates all the time. Yeah, you day. have one, so people right now we don't have enough time to get. We don't have enough. Look at this. That was a. We didn't get to hardly anything because yeah. you you start going yeah. with the with the uh, generation and everything. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but you have a lot. So people can go to your Instagram. Yeah. You had a program this past week, 10 steps on for how to engage the culture for Christ. Yeah. I get asked that question all the time. What sure. should I do? So you can go to Jabe's. It's on uh, it's Instagram on YouTube, and YouTube. Instagram and Facebook. And fa it's on so all three. The easiest thing is just go to our YouTube channel, Calvary Chapel Signal Hill, and uh, please subscribe. And, uh, and then pull the video there, or you can go to my Instagram, uh, and that's uh, at James Cadiz, or uh, Calvary Chapel Signal Hill, which is at CC Signal Hill on uh, Facebook. Yeah, fantastic. Or at Calvary Chapel, or Calvary Chapel Signal Hill on Facebook. Sorry, you can do the search. What, what church are you at? Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm lost. <laughs> Listen, it's yeah. been great with you tonight. Uh, next Sunday night, I'm going to be in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, I, I'm, I've got to finish the book of Daniel, but I'm going to do it next Sunday night. I'm going to be in Daniel chapter 9 co connecting a lot of what we see happening with the UAE peace deal because it's uh, looking at Daniel 9, how can I not? And uh, so it's going to be exciting. It'll be a prophecy update with that. Um, and James, it's been great having you out here with me again. I can't wait till you are back. With that, shalom. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.